This is Saving Grace, Living in Light of God's Love, a podcast ministry brought to you by Grace School of Theology, a seminary to the world committed to the truth of Scripture and life application through the lens of grace. Hello and welcome. I'm Carmen Pate, your host for this podcast. Where will you spend eternity? And what do we know from Scripture about our eternal home? Well, today we'll complete a six-part series on the last days and our final destiny. If you've missed any of this series, you can find the programs easily in our archives. Here to help us glean from Scripture what we can about our eternal state is Dr. Joe Wall. Dr. Wall is professor of systematic theology here at Grace and coordinates the training of Grace School with the work of his mission, East-West Ministries in the Republic of Georgia and Central Asia. Dr. Wall has pastored several churches throughout Texas. In addition, he served as the academic dean of Dallas Bible College, as president of Colorado Christian University, and as executive vice president of field ministries and vice president of training with East-West Ministries. Dr. Wall is the author of Going for the Gold, Reward or Loss, at the Judgment of Believers. Welcome back to Saving Grace, Dr. Wall. It's good to be back and looking forward to the visit with you today. Oh, likewise. I have really looked forward to this. And, you know, as we're today talking about the eternal state, last week we sort of ended our program on a somber note in that we learned the eternal fate of those who choose not to trust Christ. Uh, for forgiveness of sins. We, we know that eternal separation from God and eternal punishment certainly is not an outcome that God desires, nor should we. And if you could take a moment just as we begin, what would you say to those who doubt the reality of eternal separation or punishment for those who do not believe? Well, of course, this is a, one of the major issues you face every time you share the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, the gospel, basically, I teach my students and I try to do myself. I've got a discipleship group, a bunch of guys I get together with, and we hold each other accountable relative to our witness for Christ each week. Uh, one of the challenges we have is to communicate clearly what the gospel is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had an evangelist uh, many years ago told me you, what you want is a response that includes three things and how you communicate them and how you move them across that the Spirit of God leads you. So a direct answer to doubt is something I can't give you. The Spirit must give it to a person on a given situation. A person needs to realize and they need to understand and they need to trust. Those are the three things that this evangelist taught me. I like that. A person needs to realize that they're sinners and because they're sinners, God is just He's got to punish. It's just a, it's a necessity. And it's got to be a valid uh, satisfaction of his holy, perfect justice. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the basic, of, basic truth of the gospel. And then as a foundation for it, the gospel itself is the next part. The gospel is the good news. And the good news is they must understand something. They need to understand that Jesus is the Son of God. He's uh, died on the cross. He was raised from the dead. He's the resurrected Lord of the universe. And they need to understand what he did for them. 
that he literally took their punishment in uh, in their place. Jesus died for us, and his death was a substitute because he was infinitely righteous and he was infinitely valuable. He could die for an infinite number of sins for an infinite number of people. Mm. So in the justice of God, Jesus could suffer for all sins of all human beings. The issue has to do now is to whether you will accept God's forgiveness. And that's the third part, trust. So in helping a person to get past doubts, it seems to me there's not a simple answer. I think it has to do with the Spirit of God working in their hearts and working through the one who's sharing with them. Yes, yes. And the gospel is such good news that when we recognize that uh, Christ paid the price in full and that he's offering this free gift to us, it's a beautiful gift, and to receive that, to trust Him mm-hmm. for what he di- with what He did is not only uh, for our eternal state, but it, it's life-changing right now, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, well, and, and you know, today, and it's, it's so important that we, we, we talked about that first, I believe, because today we're going to talk about those who do receive mm-hmm. that free gift of eternal life. You know, Revelation 21.1, John writes, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. You know, it's interesting to me, Dr. Wall, that uh, silent, uh, the scripture is really silent on the appearance of the new heaven and the new earth. It does mention that there's not a sea. Uh, now, why do you suppose uh, that that's all we are told about the appearance of the new heaven and new earth? Well, one of the things about the sea is in the scriptures, the sea is pictured as a powerful force that man cannot handle. He's got to be able to grapple with it. And God demonstrated his power over the sea when he just split it down the middle. Yes. And the departure from Egypt of the people of Israel as they followed Moses across the Red Sea, the idea of the sea was the was a place where the Leviathan came from. Mm-hmm. Leviathan is a poetic picture of, of Satan, ultimately, actually. He's also called the Rahab. Those are two terms used of him. And one refers to apparently a water beast and another a land beast. He's, he's seen as this vicious opponent in the poetic literature of the Old Testament. So when those terms are pictured with the sea, it appears that somehow there's a connection of fear for man. Mm-hmm. And it sounds as though God is saying, there's not going to be any more fear for you. Wow. Now, there's water there because there's a fountain and a river. Yes, yes. So we're, we're talking about a fearful place that man cannot handle. Man can handle a pond. He can handle a river. He can handle a lake. It's the sea that has a problem for him. Mm-hmm. And I think what God is saying is, no more fear here. Mm. I love that, yeah. So the beauty of the earth uh, is is transformed into magnificent beauty. Yes. Uh, one interesting thing about this that uh, I've wrestled with over the years, and I'm going to tell you where I am now. I may change after this podcast. Someone may have a greater insight for me. But there's there's a problem. Uh, I remember walking up to a professor in seminary who was an outside lecturer on the book of Isaiah. 
And I said, the book of Isaiah tells us that the new heavens and the new earth refer to a time when people have children and they die when they're at age 100, they're considered to have babies, and it, it's, it's considered to be babies uh, at, at, at age 100, but they do die, and he's describing the millennium in and he uses a term in Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 65, uh, he, he says, And behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem rejoicing. And he goes on describing this in, the, mm -hmm. in detail, and it's talking about the millennium. Uh, and now as the book of Revelation doesn't seem to be talking about that. Right. My conclusion is the book of Revelation is talking about that. If you read through the book of Revelation, he's got chronological things, and then he has over overarching revelations that come. This is a new revelation that he has that includes day one of eternity. The new heavens and the new earth, the transforming time is the millennium. The millennium is day one. Mm. That's why, why Peter in Second Peter chapter 3 will refer to the day of the Lord and the new heavens and the new earth. He will refer to it as a time everything melts and transforms. Right, right, right. So it appears to me that what God's doing here is he's taking the earth through this process of demonstrating what Adam met, missed. And he's going to give mankind the kind of kingdom that, that, that Adam sh should have had on this planet. And then he's going to, th through that, the, that's the one day in the, in the <laughs> side of the Lord. And then he's going to, that's the first day of this transformation. The final transformation is, go is, is outlined as he goes on in chapter, six, uh, chapter uh, 22, uh, 21 and 22 in the book of Revelation. Yes, yes. You know, uh, Isaiah sixty five seventeen, where it says, Before I behold, I create a new heaven and a new earth. The former shall not be remembered or come to mind. Uh, what, what are your thoughts regarding our memory of the past? Uh, why, why does God not want us to remember? Well, the, let, me go, let me explain to you what I, how I see this, mm -hmm. the, the, the remembrance. First uh, Corinthians chapter 13 says, We'll know all things. So we're going to have things that seem to be hidden will be clear. So it's not that we don't know or remember in the sense of the facts. Okay. But we will remember them in a different light. Mm, yes. It's, it's like. We'll see for the first time, really, won't we? I mean, as far as understanding. We'll see it clearly. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, the, I remember hearing a story. I don't know how true it is, but it's made always, I've used it as a sermon illustration. That whether it's true or not, it's a good illustration. Uh, a man that had a little boy who had a crooked foot. And so every day he'd get up and out of bed in the morning, he'd put him into this, this shoe on his foot that would force his leg to straighten out and very painful for him. Oh. And he would go through the anguish of this day after day mm. after day. Mm. Um, and then, lo and behold, he could walk. And now he can walk. And, and, and the only way he remembers his dad is his dad loved him enough to heal him. Mm -hmm. That made it where he could walk. And somehow or another, all of those things that, that seem to be bad, we'll see in the light of God's holiness, his justice, and his love. And we will not remember them the same way. We remember them. We'll, we'll know them, but we won't remember them the same way. Yes. And that's, that's encouraging, isn't it? Yes. We'll have <laughs> Get you goosebumps thinking about it. It really does. It really does. Wow. 
You know, we read further in Revelation 21, uh, our, our attention is drawn to the new Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. John says, we know the old Jerusalem, uh, says, excuse me, John says he saw the city coming down from God out of heaven. Mm-hmm. Now, we know the old Jerusalem would have been destroyed along with the old earth, but can we glean any more from Scripture about where this new city comes from? Is it created? I mean, does it come? Does it literally come out of heaven? Or was it out in the galaxy somewhere and then set down on earth, as, as, as the Scripture seems to want to tell us? Well, you, you, you have uh, asked some questions uh, that I hadn't even thought about before being out in another galaxy. I hadn't thought about that. The, the, <laughs> <laughs> the best I can understand it. Obviously, we're talking about things we have a limited amount of understanding. Exactly. A lot so, of speculation, I know. Um, yeah. There's also something really exciting about this to me. Yes. Uh, to look forward to seeing this for real. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that it, it brings to mind is we're talking about something at a time that's very different than the way we live now in what we call the physical world. Uh, As I've meditated on this, let me come back to the New Jerusalem, but just just speak about spiritual realities. There's something that's kind of gotten my attention lately. I'm not sure who got me going down this trail. Probably an assignment I gave to some students, and they forced me to think about it. I decided (laughs) I'd do do the assignment with them, and that's to observe the handiwork of God. And I gave them an assignment. Write down everything that you can see of the handiwork of God this week and talk about it. So I did it at the same time. And you get to see God's power in everything, the existence mm-hmm. of the creation, Absolutely. from the smallest little electron to the, uh, to the vast universe. But there's something else that's very mysterious. Uh, right now in this room, there's light. There are light rays. These light rays are going every which way. I can't see them. I can see what they send to me, but I can't see them. In this room, there are radio waves. I could pull out my phone, and I can connect online to a satellite, and I can talk to somebody in Beijing, China. Now, how in the world do I do that? Well, there are certain things in the very creation of God that is just amazing that man has learned about and has captured. These are not new to God. These are realities that are there, unseen to us. And you think about those kind of unseen things, sound waves and and just light waves. Are enorm- I mean, how, how in the world can I see you, the colors of your, uh, of your face and of your clothes and the, and the light above me and below and the table? And, the, and how can I see motion? How can all of these things be seen? And these light rays are going every which way in the room. And they're coming to my eyeball, and somehow they're transferring into something in my brain that says something, something to me. This is absolutely overwhelming to me mm-hmm. to think in those terms. But notice there's a whole lot that is unseen. That's true. Yes. There's realities that are there. Mm-hmm. So this is unseen to us now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, if it's unseen to us now, 
how does it relate to this physical universe? And the answer is, I don't know. We don't know. We don't know. Right. I mean, we could be on top of each other. I mean, just yes. like rays can be on top of each other. Yes. I mean, we may be we we may be sitting right now on a planet right in the in the little corner somewhere in, in the New Jerusalem. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're looking at. But then God takes whatever this city is. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a city that pictures. That it, 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 when he talks about the city, he describes it. So it's a, he wants you to know it's a real place. It's not something that's just a, 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 a an idea. Or he goes a, into such detail. Yeah, yes. it's a real place. Yeah. Well, how do, how do real people who are, don't have physical bodies live and talk in there? Well, they can get glorified bodies, but mm-hmm. they can also live there without glorified bodies. When we die, we go there, mm-hmm. and we can recognize each other there. Yes. Even without our resurrected bodies. So the New Jerusalem, it seems to me, is uh, left to us as a great mystery as to where it is. Yes. But understand, it is it is ultimate reality. Physical is is, is temporal reality. This is eternal reality. Exactly. Now that I talk around, Diane, I didn't get to your question. No, no, no. Actually, you did. You actually did because I, I think, like you say, there's some things we just don't know, but we know that it's going to be over. It would, it would be overwhelming if we if we knew it now because we wouldn't understand it. But it's also exciting. You know, when you yep. think about the movies that people enjoy today. I mean, it's the, the, the it's things out in the galaxies and, and things that they really don't know. Right. This is this is based on God's truth. Uh, we can only pull what we can from Scripture. But like you say, we don't have all the answers yet. But there's enough there that can stir our interest and our curiosity that goes, you know what? That's a place I want I want to go. Well, but but you can't you can count on these pieces of it. The, yes. the, I'm telling you, we don't know. What we do know yes. is it's a real place mm-hmm. that a person who is spiritual can dwell. Mm-hmm. So it's a yes. spiritual reality that's got the capability of being seen and expressed in the physical world. Absolutely. That's what he's saying here. Yes. And it's, it's got connection to the history of Israel and its leadership mm-hmm. and to the establishment of the church, the apostles. That yes. church has got its found. I mean, that building, excuse me, that city, city. Uh-huh. Got, it's like a building, has got, got the, uh, is built upon the foundation and the doors are all connected with our, our, our roots. So it's, it's, it's our place. Uh-huh. So it's like like saying you've got a a home that's an inheritance from your parents that's been kept for you, yes. and it's gorgeous. It's fabulously gorgeous. We know that. Number two, it's huge, so it can handle a whole lot. Number three, it's a place that you can go spiritually, mm-hmm. and, and number four, it's got walls that prevent anything from e- anything evil from coming into it. Incidentally, I see that's why I see the the, the New Jerusalem related to the millennium. Uh, I believe it was J. Vernon McGee. I can't remember that, that years ago, one Bible teacher said that he saw the new Jerusalem as always descending. So maybe it's like a satellite going around the uh-huh. earth and never lands. It isn't out in the galaxies, right? <laughs> so uh, maybe it's there already. Uh, well, we don't know. We uh, don't know, but yeah. we do know it's, it's a wonderful place to go, a beautiful yes. place. And, and a place that is to, is totally separated from evil, and all all the the presence of Christ overwhelms the place. So the mm-hmm. light, the, there's nothing that's hidden anymore. It's totally totally open. 
Just just beautiful. And, you know, uh, the, as you've pointed out, the description of the New Jerusalem uh, is very detailed in uh, Revelation. Does it sounds beautiful? It uses terminology that we can relate to, like when it says streets of gold or gates of pearl. Yeah. I've often wondered, and again, we don't know uh, whether or not to take those terms literally, or if, of course, we know all of, the, all of God's word is inspired by God. Uh, but perhaps because John, who was writing, had never seen what he sees mm-hmm. in this vision, uh, but he's thinking, okay, now it looks to me like a street of gold. Do you, th- you know, so it could be that he was just basing his description on what he knew of this world. I think, think I think yeah. you're absolutely right. Yeah. I think he's trying to take the most magnificent, most precious things that we can see in this world now. Yes. And he's using that to describe something that is indescribable. Yes, yes. He's, How do you describe something you've actually never yeah. seen? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, I but but it is it's an exciting thought. Well, uh John goes into great detail about dimensions and structure and walls and gates. Why are those significant to us? I mean, why, you know, I, I've often thought, well, why is it important to go over the dimensions? I mean, does, does it really matter to us living today? One of the things I, I saw a video several, a couple of years ago of some lectures on this that I thought were interesting. He said it's big enough to have a whole lot of people. The point, the point mm-hmm. being, and I thought that was a good observation of, of the of the size of a city. Uh, you know, the 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 gates and the foundation, as I recall, the foundations, the apostles, and the uh, and the gates are the are the per, are the are the uh, people, the names of the, of the tribes of Israel. Uh, it seems to me he's saying that the way that has been opened up for us to have have the city that is commemorated is by uh, these gates are the nation of Israel. Israel has been used by God to bring the message about God's precious plan for his people around the world. And so the gates are named that way. The foundation takes you back to Ephesians where Paul says that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Mm-hmm. So the foundation is that which is the basis for the for the church. So it appears he's saying this is the foundation for for eternity. Is for what eternity. is yeah. the apostle built this? That's what the church is about. Mm. Uh, you know, Paul, Jesus said to, to Peter, "You are." Uh, a rock, Peter. Your name is Petros, mm-hmm. and uh, therefore you're you're a great guy, and you, you made a great confession. So I'm going to call you Petros, or Little Rock. And then he says, "Upon this Petra," and it's a big word. It's not one word. He doesn't mm-hmm. use the same word. This found this this large slab. Well, he's looking at his apostles. I think he's saying, "You apostles, you're the foundation." I think Jesus is saying the apostles form the foundation for the establishment of, of the church. And so that's appropriate for John yes. uh, to, to write that in the book of Revelation. So it appears to me that the, this picture of the foundation and the walls is to, is to bring to mind, uh, whether that's for eternity, that's what's always there. This is the vision mm-hmm. he saw of it. That's right. Uh, how, what does that mean throughout eternity? Are they going to have the names on the, on the foundation and the names on the, on the, Gates, I think probably so, but the main point is to remember 
what the foundation and what the open door to this this wonderful city is. Yes, I, I like that. I like that because it does give meaning. Uh, in a, in such a beautiful way to to each of those things, the yeah. gates and the foundation, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Now it tells us there will be no sun, moon, stars. Why is that? Well, because God let let loose His radiance there, there, and so somehow mm-hmm. we're able to handle it. Uh, he's given us the ability to handle it. Then yes. uh, Moses had to slip into a little rock, uh, a slit in the rock, That's and right. to see the glory of God pass by. Yes. And as God's glory passed by, he got a little glimpse of the outward manifestation yes. of God's glory. I, I think that basically uh, what, you, what you have in that day is the ability of a uh, resurrected believer to be able to stand in the presence because he's been totally purified mm. by the blood of Christ. Mm. But still, God's radiance is so bright yeah. that you don't need, you wouldn't be able to see the sun, the moon, and the stars, right? Because right. God is, yes. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Do we know from Scripture, Dr. Wall, who the inhabitants of the city will be? Yes. Yeah, we do know that. The, the inhabitants of the city are those who trusted in Christ uh, and have been born again by the blood of Christ. But it, it seems to include everybody who has ever been washed by the blood. Uh, Paul says in Romans chapter 3 that God overlooked uh, the sins of the past before Christ came so that he could wash them, Mm. so that the blood of Christ could apply to an Abraham, to an Isaac, to a Jacob. Uh, We don't know how far that application of the blood of Christ goes. Only God knows that. What, how much do they have to understand? How much do people have to understand today? How, how much do they have to believe today? Only God knows. The only thing we know is there's no assurance unless you know Jesus. That's right. Yeah. And, and he can save your life now from the mess now, and he can save your life for eternity. Uh, God's mercy is great. His grace is, is eternal. It's infinite. So how God applies that, but it must be the only ones that can be there have got to be people who've been cleansed by the blood of Christ and have have a true trust in the living God and have been totally forgiven before God so they they can have access to the very city. Mm -hmm. I've always assumed that the city was just a part of the new earth, uh, the new heavens, uh, and so I guess I always imagine being able to go in and out of the gates and, and, and going going everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's part of my, my curiosity is, well, <laughs> let's say we live in the city. Mm-hmm. Who lives outside the city? <laughs> well, I've wrestled with that, too. I, that's why I take it in the book of Revelation. He talks about it, that the, you, you've got uh, the abominable sinful people are unable to come into the city. Mm. So that means they're there. Does that mean the people who are in hell can't get into into heaven? Basically, mm-hmm. some interpret it that way. I, I I think it's rather because of my view toward the new heavens and the new earth that mm-hmm. that's that summary statement in chapter twenty one is talking about the first step in, includes the millennium. So it will be present. 
I don't know, hovering above the earth. Maybe they can't. Yeah. They, may, they won't be able to see it. But yeah. the but the new heavens. I mean, excuse me. The the uh, uh, new Jerusalem will be be present. Yes. And the first stage of the new heavens and the new earth is the millennium, according to Isaiah. So apparently there will be people who reject Christ during the mm-hmm. millennium, and these are the ones that will not be allowed into the city. And he ultimately they'll come and make. They're enough of them. They'll make war against him at the end of the millennium. Mm-hmm. So it appears then that during the time of the millennium, uh, the, the New Jerusalem will be, sh- uh, be shut off and nobody can tamper with that from the sinful world. Mm-hmm. And then he just makes all things totally new, new heavens and new yes. earth and eliminates uh, yes. any possibility of, of access. Yes, yes, that, that makes sense. Well, we do also learn about a pure river of water of life, as we mentioned, may no, no see, but there there will be the the pure river of water of life. Any explanation for what that really means here? Well, the the passage in, in Revelation talks about a river coming out of the throne, the river of life, and talks about the tree of life. Yes. And in the different translations of that, it's a little hard to follow about the tree and the river and the road yes, there's yes. out there. One one way that that the the text could be taken, uh, I think John Walver may say this in his commentary, but basically one po- possibility is you've got the fountain river coming out and you've got uh, this river and on the and it goes down through the middle of the road. And we see that. I mean, you got that here in America. You see, sure. see highways. You got roads. And you got this river down the middle. Right. And right. then it says the tree is along the, the side of it. Well, the tree can refer to the, the, the type of tree. It could be many trees along there possibly is one picture. I, I'm not sure. I, I can say dogmatically what it looks like, but this this is the picture I have right now mm-hmm. of this of this river uh, lined by all of the, the, these trees that 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 change with the season, that uh, continue mm-hmm. have leaves that heal uh, and provide the fruit that provides uh, wisdom for life, and then along then you got the road going up into the presence of God. That's the picture that it has. So, what is the significance of the water? And what is the significance of the tree? I guess that would be the two questions that come to mind in my mind. I'm thinking yes, about yes. in the in the scriptures, the water is picture the the giving of life. So it seems to could be a picture of the continual uh, provision of God's life. J- Jesus talks about that those who believe in him and continue to believe in him in John 7, out of out of his innermost being will flow this great river of life. Mm-hmm. So yes. that's spiritual life that flows from man as he uh, communicates God's truth and love to others. So it appears that this is the outpouring of God's uh, life uh, that maybe his, lo- his life of love, his loving life out, out to his creation. And the trees are interesting because in Proverbs, the tree of life refers to wisdom. Hmm. And I've often wondered, is that what the tree of life is? Is the wisdom that had Adam had access to the tree of life? Uh, it wasn't that he would have had eternal life. He would have had the healing yes. that would provide a long life and perpetuate his sinfulness uh, in the world. Uh, in other words, it, 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 for some reason, God separated man in his sinfulness away from the wisdom to know how to continue life uh, physically. 
so that you're able to continue your sin. It, it, mm. the, it perpetuates your sin. Mm. So these in the city, there's no sin to perpetuate. Right. So right. the continual provision of the tree of life is to give the give the wisdom that provides life. Now, it, and plus wisdom because we'll always be learning. We'll never have the uh, wisdom of God. So perhaps those. It sure seems like that. Yes, it does. Seems like that. And I, and I like to picture now we got a new heavens and new earth. The heavens seem to, there are three heavens biblically, you know, three ways the word heaven is used. You've got where the birds fly, the, uh-huh. and then you got the, the stars, and you got heaven, the presence of God. Yes. Well, I take it the second heaven uh, will exist. Mm. It appears, I can't prove this, but it appears from Job that currently the stars are the abode of the angels. Mm-hmm. The word angel means messenger. So they, we call them angels when they come here. But they're cherubs, we know, and they're seraphs. We know at least two different kinds out there. We've got a lot of different names of these, of these creatures. But there are creation, creators. One of them's name is Lucifer. At least that's the translation we make of it, the Latin translation of his name. And these creatures apparently dominate the universe, and this planet was the throne for the domination of the entire universe. Mm-hmm. We're told that yes. in Isaiah and Ezekiel. And this is where Lucifer sinned. Right. So point being that he had rule, and God threw all of the uh, rebellious creatures on this planet. So the demons and Satan were here. Mm-hmm. He put man in to take the planet back. But in that environment, the entire universe seems to be populated. Mm-hmm. So someone has said, when we get to another planet somewhere in the universe, will we find life? And the answer is, maybe so, maybe not. Uh, the Bible indicates there is life there, though. Mm-hmm. We may not be able to see it, maybe entirely on a spiritual level. So I take it then that we will rule over angels, he tells us in the scriptures. Yes. So the vast universe will be ruled by us, yes. and we're going to be traveling. I get goosebumps I think thinking so about it. Yes. And that's one of the great blessings. Of, of uh, receiving the crowns and the position of mm-hmm. suffering with Christ and ruling with Christ. Mm-hmm. So yes. the picture of travel to the f- end of the universe, <laughs> they, they can't see it in the end of now even yet. Yes. We, get to, we get to travel there, and we're part of the rule of it. Wow. That's hard. To, it's hard to even grasp, isn't it? But it is exciting. <laughs> well, in closing, Dr. Wall, uh, the most familiar passage regarding our eternal state is Revelation 21, 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the order, old order of things has passed away. You know, it's it's uh, uh, this just this, that passage alone <laughs> causes us to really long for that eternal state. But in closing, help us to shift our focus. What is the real purpose for our eternity with Christ? Well, the real purpose ultimately is to bring glory to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, God's uh, magnificence and, and infinite in His holiness, His righteousness. And in his love and his mercy and grace. Mm-hmm. And we've experienced it. That's the joy we have. We've experienced it and continue to experience that. And for all eternity, we get to worship him. Mm. Yes. The, the 24 elders earlier in the book of Revelation, they throw their crowns. Well, they're victory crowns, but they're sitting on thrones. So they carry with them victory and rule. 
they are submitting to the king. And my picture is they get to pick them back up, put them on their head, and go sit down and come back and throw them. They get to do that a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're going to get to worship Jesus. We're going to honor him for mm. who he is and what he's done for us. And we'll honor the Father uh, because if we honor the Son, we honor the Father. Mm. He alone is worthy. Amen. Uh, Thank you so much, Dr. Wall. What a fascinating discussion. You know, our guest today has been Dr. Joe Wall. In this six-week series, we've only scratched the surface of information that we can glean from scriptures regarding the end times. We hope this series has stirred your interest to get into God's Word, learn more about God's purpose and His eternal plan for mankind, and particularly for you. And do check out the many courses offered through Grace School of Theology Each one will help you to grow in your knowledge and your love for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Please share our podcast with others, and your feedback is always welcome. Send us comments, questions, make suggestions for program topics. You can send them by email at savinggrace@gsot.edu or Twitter. Our handle is at SavingGraceCast. So glad you tuned in today. And remember, the love of Christ can never be earned and can never be lost. You have been listening to Saving Grace, a podcast ministry of Grace School of Theology. For more information, visit gsot.edu slash saving grace. Views expressed on this podcast may not always be the views of Grace School of Theology or its leadership. 